0: What would it be like if God became a man? I mean, how would he want that event to be recorded? And why would he want it to be recorded that way? I mean, today we would think in terms of video, well, you would videotape it. Because everything we see is video, and why wouldn't God do it that way? Well, they didn't have video 2,000 years ago. And let's be honest, is video really reliable? I mean, that. You watch YouTube or TikTok or whatever, and you could be seeing anything. Anybody can make up anything. There's so much fake video out there. So I don't think that's as reliable as we might think it would be, and I think God knows that. Um, so why would he record it the way he recorded it? And that's what we're going to look at. So today we begin our walk through the book of Luke, and we're actually only going to cover the first four verses, um, just the intro today. I know that doesn't sound like much, but um, sometimes there'll be more. Sometimes we might only do one verse if it's like really, really heavy or something, Uh, because we want to keep these short. Uh, Don't want to be me droning on for 45 minutes, uh, which I can do, but I don't want it to be sermons. I want it to be just kind of thinking through and talking um, these stories, these wonderful stories from Luke. So Luke chapter one, verse one. You have been taught. Um, Who is Luke? Who is Theophilus for that matter? He's writing here to somebody named Theophilus. Uh, Luke is the author of two books in the New Testament. They go together. Um, The book of Luke here that we're doing together and the book of Acts. Maybe we'll do that one next. I don't know. but they go together, it's like uh, Theophilus commissioned him to write this two-volume narrative of Christ and the early church, um, which is what those two make together. One, It's like one long story split in two. Scrolls, there's, this would be written on scrolls, <clears throat> so you could only have a scroll that was so long. Um, Luke was a, together they make up like one quarter of the New Testament, which is huge. Luke is a first century physician, like a doctor, um, a researcher, a historian. Today we would call him a scientist. He was highly educated. Um, he may have been a Gentile, which just means non-jewish Gentile the word Gentile is a it's a big deal in the all throughout the Bible, but including right here at the beginning of things uh, in the in this age, uh, Gentile just means non-Jewish. Because the Jewish uh, everything in the Bible was written by Jewish people. God, God the prophets were all Jewish. The, that the Word of God came to Jesus was Jewish. Um, it's significant if Luke was a Gentile because of the way he writes and his profession, his name. Um, it's it's not proof that he was a Gentile, but if he was, it's it's he's the only author in the Bible who was not Jewish, and it's kind of an, a big deal and I think it might be why if he he kind of focuses in his stories on people that are outsiders people that are marginalized um, women uh, poor people uh, criminals um, he, he focuses on them because he himself would be an outsider okay so who's Theophilus Theophilus uh, p- seems to have been a convert to Christianity um, in the first century. And he has commissioned Luke to write this. Luke is writing this for him. This is a big deal. Uh, probably Theophilus was wealthy, a wealthy person, maybe a government official. Luke calls him most excellent Theophilus. That doesn't mean he's was definitely a government official. Well, that's the kind of title you would, you know, that's how you would address a government official back in the first century. Um Instead of just yelling at them and cursing at them on Twitter like we do today, you would say "most excellent so and so" or "like your honorable so and so." So he may have been a government official, maybe not. <clears throat> he was clearly wealthy, and the reason I say that is because he, because writing this, researching and writing this long, it would be a scroll. Is not a not a cheap thing to do. They didn't have Amazon back then. You couldn't just uh, go. Go online, do a few mouse clicks and have a book delivered to your house two days later, uh, all printed and bound and all that stuff. It just didn't work that way. Um, they would write. It was laborious. It was expensive. I read somewhere that um, if you were to purchase a copy of the book of Romans, Romans is a letter. Uh, all these, Most of the books in the New Testament were letters. Uh, Romans was written by Paul. And it's probably, I don't know, half the size of Luke, maybe not even that. I didn't count the letters. But, but if you were to purchase a copy of that in the first century of Romans, it would cost around $5,000 in today's money, right? So this is an expensive undertaking, what Luke is, has written here um, and what God has given to us in the book of Luke. Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other author. You know, Paul wrote more books. Like I said, he wrote, Paul wrote a lot of letters to churches. Um, <clears throat> and there were other authors in the New Testament. You know, there's John, there's Peter, etc. cetera. Uh, but Luke wrote, if you're just counting words and space, uh, Luke wrote more of the New Testament than than everyone else combined. So anyway, and he tells Theophilus here, and I love this, that he is writing, let me get this right, <clears throat> he is writing that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Um, he wants us to, God wants us to be certain. He wants us, this is encouraging to me. God wants us to have certainty to make, and that makes sense if you think about it, because, I mean, if God were to become a man, he would want us to know with certainty which man it was. I mean, that would be pretty significant. You know, you don't want to. He doesn't want you following the wrong man or listening to the wrong uh, person. He wants you to follow the right person. Um, and we will see that this man, Jesus, he he looked like any other man. You couldn't pick him out of a crowd if you didn't know him. If you weren't real close to him as his friend or his relative, you would never pick him out of a crowd. He looked like anyone else in first-century Israel. Um. There was nothing special about him, although he did not think like any other man. He did not act or speak like anyone else that has ever lived. Uh, he's, he's fascinating, um, which you would expect if God became a man. God did not just become a man. He became a particular man, and he wants us to know, to know with certainty who that man was and what that man said. Faith, this means that faith is not blind. Faith is not blind. God does not want us to just close our eyes and just believe, you know, close your eyes and just believe God is not a Disney movie, right? Our faith is based in evidence. That's why so much of the new Testament is presented as arguments and evidence. That's how it's written. That's why it's written. Um, That's why John, who's an apostle, um, one of the best friends of Jesus, maybe the best friend Jesus had here on earth, is the apostle John. He, He opens one of his letters with these words. Quote, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life, close quotes. John is saying, <clears throat> we walked with Jesus, we sat with Jesus, we ate with Jesus, we slept on the ground with Jesus. We know what he's like. We know what he said. We know what he liked to eat. You know, we could, we've heard him sing hymns with us. Uh, we've seen him pray. We've heard him pray. So we know we know what we're talking about. We're not making this up. And that's why Peter, another apostle, another close friend of Jesus, uh, Peter, James, and John were these like the three, the, the inner circle kind of thing with, here on earth with Jesus, when Jesus was walking around here on earth. But Peter says in one of his letters, quote, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses. To his Majesty, close quote. Eyewitnesses to his Majesty. Luke is recording events. He's writing history. He gives us dates like no other author, even in the, even in the Bible. He gives us dates, and now dates back then weren't um, you know like August twelfth or something like that. Uh, their their calendar. They didn't have a calendar like ours. The way they would give dates and say during the reign of so and so, right, this king. Um, or they would t- tie it to another event in history. Um, we're going to see that later on. I won't, won't go down that rabbit hole right now. But so that's how they give dates. And that's in Luke gives dates. He, he he puts these events into. he's interviewing eyewitnesses. He's assembling this into an orderly account. That's the words he uses um, to write an orderly in verse three to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. Um. Because God wants us to know. He wants us to have certainty. Uh, Luke is just one of four Gospels, right? Because God wants us to know. He wants us to have certainty. That's why he gives us four Gospels. Well, what's a Gospel? The word Gospel is just an old English word uh, that actually means good news. It just means good news. But the word it's translated from, was also, it also meant good news, but it, the way it was used in the first century in Greek, was um, it was used to announce a victory, like a military victory. A herald would roll into town and announce with great fanfare that King so-and-so has defeated King Housawasitz. So now King so-and-so is in charge, and we all have to answer to him. Now this would be good news uh, because King so-and-so is wise and good and noble and all of that. That's the idea. That's, the, that's what gospel means. So and so it's God's declaration of, of victory over the spiritual forces of darkness, and this is how he did it. Um, so now there's King Jesus, right? He is, that's the announcement. That's the good news. Uh, there's a new sheriff in town, that kind of a thing. So why four? Why four got well? It seems to me that God becoming a human would be the most important event in human history. I mean, how, how would you record it? How would you capture the significance of it? I would want to record it from multiple angles, which is what we have here. That's why we have four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different gospels, four different angles on this person who is not just a person. He's, he's an event. He's the most significant event that has ever happened or ever will happen. And these four angles or these four gospels, they supplement each other. They give us different details about this man, um, different stories. Luke has stories that the other Gospels don't have. Uh, they arrange their events differently. Uh, they arrange the teaching of Jesus differently. Some, some have teachings that others don't have, or they put them in different places because they're writing for different audiences. They're writing with a different purpose. Uh, so we just get all this, we get this full-shaped Picture of Jesus from these four different angles, and are written like I said <clears throat> for different audiences. Uh, Matthew seems to have been written uh, in particular for a Jewish audience, just the way it's written, the things he focuses on, the the quotes from the Old Testament are so heavy and thick in Matthew. Um, Mark seems to be written for a Roman audience. Uh, we say that because uh, it's sh- it's the shortest of the Gospels. It's the it's the earliest of the gospels. It was, it may have been written, uh, in the fifties, uh, of the first century. And it's, it's punchy. Like Jesus isn't always like in a hurry in Mark. He's do. he's active. He's doing, there's not a, a, there's not huge teaching blocks in Mark. There's teaching, there's some, but it's not the focus. It's more like Jesus is here he's running around. He's doing, it's very Roman. Um, uh, Luke, our gospel here that we're going to be working through for this year, is uh, seems to be written for the broader Gentile world. Remember that word Gentile is very significant. Just think of it as the word nations, right? So you have Israel, if you think of all the, the Ten Commandments and all of that, <clears throat> um, and you have the nations, which is every other nation on earth. So Gentiles just means the nations, which is most of us. And then the last Gospel, John, it's it's in a category of its own. And I would say, you know, who's its audience? I would say children and angels. It's so sublime and so different. The language, the way he writes, um, it's written for children and angels. And uh, it's beautiful. Uh, New Testament scholar uh, A.T. Robertson says this about Luke. Uh, let's see here. Quote. This scientific physician, this man of the schools, this converted Gentile, this devoted friend of Paul comes through the study of the life of Christ with a trained intellect, with a historian's method of research, with a physician's care in diagnosis and discrimination, with a charm of style all his own, with reverence for and loyalty to Jesus Christ as Lord and savior. One could not afford to give up any of the four Gospels. They each supplement the other in a wonderful way. John's Gospel is the greatest book in all the world, reaching the highest heights of all. But if we had only Luke's Gospel, we should have an adequate portrait of Jesus Christ as Son of God and Son of Man. If Mark's is the Gospel to the Romans and Matthew's for the Jews, the Gospel of Luke is for the Gentile world. He shows the sympathy of Jesus for the poor and the outcast. Luke understands women and children, and so is the universal gospel of mankind in all phases and conditions. It is often called the gospel of womanhood, of infancy, of prayer, of praise. We have in Luke the first Christian hymns. With Luke, we catch some glimpses of the child Jesus for which we are grateful. Close quote. And just a final note as we wrap it up here. Um, Theophilus, it's a wonderful name. It actually means a friend of God. Or it means a God lover or lover of God or more accurately, maybe friend of God. And in a way, Luke is written to anyone who wants to be a friend of God. Because in Jesus, God is extending his friendship to us. Anyway, read ahead. Um, you can go ahead and read the whole the rest of chapter one to See what's coming Uh, next time. We're going to do verse five and I'm not sure how far we'll get, but um, until then, peace.